With the NowJobs app, you're only three clicks away from a new student worker. Let us introduce you to the NowJobs app. That's extra help in just a few clicks. No fuss, no administration. Download it now. Available in Belgium, the Netherlands, France, and soon in Germany. Now jobs. Get the job done. Ka-ching! Technology is great. Well, until it isn't. Anyway, we had a slight recording glitch, which zapped the first five minutes of Levin's audio. So we made audio lemons into lemonade by substituting sound effects for Levin's responses. God, I'm good. Enjoy. Some podcasts do it for the fun. Some do it for the fame. Chad and Cheese, they do it for global effing domination. That's right. Bringing America to its knees was just the beginning. Now, they have their eyes set on conquering Europe. And they've drafted industry veteran Levan von Neuerhauser of Belgium to help them navigate the old country and bring HR's most dangerous podcast across the pond to trash talk like never before. Not safe for work in any language. The Chad and Cheese Podcast does Europe. Oh, yeah. European gas prices have surged to all-time highs. And after this plate of wings, gas is surging in me, too. Was ist ab, Freunden? You're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast does Europe. I'm your co-host, Joel Olaf Cheeseman. This is Chad. What do you mean I can't work from home? So wash. I'm still just living when you know him. <laughs> and on this episode, France gets freelancy, too many European youths are jobless, and EVs are about to slash half a million jobs on the continent. Apparently, freelance in French is also freelance. Who knew? Let's do this. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. European. Talent. Intelligence. What does it mean? Imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group. Where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a European talent pool. Every year, thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence. With innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries. It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art, data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence. No mystery guest today. Who's got a shout out? Oh, I've got a shout out right out of the gate, friends, to uh, Oras El Kubasi. Remember this cat? He was over at That's a name. jobdescription.ai. He was actually on uh, Firing Squad a couple of months ago. But thanks, Oras, for digging up the following search metrics um, where we're seeing Google search term volume is exploding with the search term, quote unquote, remote jobs. It surged 49% in the U.S., 71% in the UK, 71% in India, 60% in Canada, 31% in Australia. We'll talk about that in a minute. And 49% in South 
Africa. I, I'm sure the low 31% for Australia is because they just want to get the fuck out of lockdown and they don't want to think about working from home. I, I don't know. That's right. Google is exploding and surging. You heard it here first. On the Explode the surge. So I got a shout out for TikTok, guys. So we know it's incredibly popular globally, but European operations are especially blowing up. According to CNBC this week, the company's headcount in Europe rose by over a thousand people last year, going from 208 in 2019 to 1294 in 2020. And that's undoubtedly going up as TikTok is now up to 1 billion active users. Pretty soon they'll have as many European employees as Facebook has PR people and lawyers here in the U.S. <laughs> you got to ask, what's the, you know, what's the reason behind the surge, the staff surge in the EU? I mean, are, are they looking to try to gain favor? Because, you know, obviously China doesn't have great favor with TikTok right now and ByteDance. Yeah, well, they obviously need salespeople to sell ads to agencies and uh, speak the language, if you will, uh, of the countries. Now, what's interesting is TikTok has what they call 996 culture, which is apparently really popular in China. What 996 means is you work nine to nine, six days a week, which if I know (laughs) Europe as I know Europe, 996 is not going to work very well. Leaving is that... Is that right? Is a nine to nine day for six days a week going to work out in Europe? No. So they got to make some culture changes there in Europe if that's going to work. Shout out to Portugal. There was a New York Times article that was entitled, In Portugal, there is virtually no one left to vaccinate. 85% fully vaxxed, but 98% of all of those eligible in Portugal are vaccinated. In the last Friday, Portugal released all of their COVID restrictions. So, do, do they not have Fox News in in Portugal? Is what <laughs> I, what the fuck is going on, man? Get Fox News out there. That's my question: is 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 when does the rest of the world and, and the countries actually look at countries like Portugal with high vax rates and say, hey? They're fully vaccinated and they're getting back to normal. I mean, I was there for five weeks. The only thing we had to do was wear masks inside, but everything was was fairly normal. Yeah. People not dying should be a real good clue for following their example. We'll see. Fox News. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got another uh, another another shout out. So we talked on the last show, I think, about Germany's election, uh, by which I, I, I thrashed our Europeans for not knowing shit about the German election. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an expert on it now, right? You know everything about it. Uh, it's probably oh, not. So anyway, they have no. a new chancellor. Uh, his name is Olaf Schultz, which Olaf is a cartoon character in a Disney movie called Frozen. So that'll be easy for me to remember because I have a four-year-old. The new chancellor apparently is a left of center candidate versus Angela Merkel, which was a right of center candidate. So... Uh, I don't know if you have thoughts on that, Levin, but uh, if if Germany is the engine of Europe, a thing to give a shout out to. But I have no other insight other than they have a new chancellor named after a snowman from a Disney film. Oh, hell no. So you put him on the spot again. Seriously, I don't know if you have anything else, Levin, but Rika's listening. So therefore, <laughs> let's go ahead and put you on the spot again. Oh, hell uh, let's talk no. about travel. Where are we going? We're going to Europe. <laughs> so tell us what what are we going to be out there what are we going to be doing leaving what is who's going to be on stage what are the big topics 
Ah, I get to promote my congress again. Nice, nice. November 25th, we have the Irukroten Congress, as I said, last edition of the show. It's in Austin, Belgium. It's a whole day, day of um, recruitment technology, three keynotes, 12 breakout sessions. If you want to stay in the know, then uh, you come to the Congress. <laughs> it's it sounds like for the for the for the Muppet fans out there, we're we're the two guys in the balcony screaming absurdities and sarcasm at and drinking and, and drinking. drinking yes. <laughs> and in and to Joel, that is very sexy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, us us in a, a a rooftop bar like that sounds sexy to me. Yeah, pretty pretty stoked though to get back to europe i feel like it's been forever since i've been there uh, oh my god <laughs> dude but, i was so pumped to go to vegas for hr tech and the 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 it got pulled so i like a total tease and i'm i'm not getting too excited about europe because i'm afraid it's not gonna happen but i am so pumped to get out and see people and humanize no matter what leaving i'll be there and if we have to have a blow up cheeseman doll we can make it happen it's all good Ooh, again <laughs> more sexy <laughs> don't say deep fake pornographic cheeseman because that just might blow up zencaster our software <laughs> yes very excited for that and uh if you can make it out there please do so uh we'll be podcasting so if you can't make it we will have chad and cheese in your ear from Europe, no matter what. And with that, shall we play a game? We talk a lot about Upwork and Fiverr on the show, but maybe it's about time to add freelance.com to the list. The French-based freelancing platform is in the process of closing a deal to merge with Swiss payroll company Helvetic Payroll Group. The transaction is part of Freelance.com's continuing growth following the recent acquisitions. God, these guys are on a hiring spree. Coworkies, TMC France, and INOPS. Already servicing the UK, France, Germany, Morocco, Switzerland, and Singapore. The company said it's eyeing global growth while reiterating a target of achieving 1 billion euros in revenue by 2025. Okay, boys. With Upwork and Fiverr already a big deal and startups like Andela being a newly minted unicorn, this is a wave worth riding, right? Leaven, talk about your point of view on the European freelance market. <laughs> it's big. I would uh, first like to congratulate freelance with their name. I mean, freelance.com. I wonder if they bought it really early or just paid a lot for it. They were founded in 1991. Ah, so I would say they probably bought it damn. very early. It's uh, another reason to buy them. <laughs> and like I said, freelance is freelance in French. So it worked out fantastically. That's a great name. And um, freelance is huge. And we just did a survey on uh, the intentions of young people now. And apparently people who are young graduates now are 30% at least are contemplating becoming a freelancer. So this is more mm. than doubled in three years' time. So the freelance market is going to boom. And a recent study of um, Fiverr showed that in the US, I don't have the numbers for Europe, but in the US, the total freelance income is $750 billion. So even if your margins are extremely small, and they are normally when you're uh, payrolling and, and they, they bought a, a Swiss mm-hmm. payrolling company, mm-hmm. even with small yeah. margins on such an amount, it's, it's still huge. So I guess the freelance market in combination with payrolling, digital payrolling is a hit. And it sounds like they're doing this incredibly smart from the standpoint of co-week 
co-worker, co-workies, co-workies. That's a horrible <laughs> fucking name. That was a competitor that they merged with. TMC France, a training and managing firm for for salespeople and sales managers. That's a that's a big area of growth. Uh, and then Inop was a, a network of 70,000 digital experts, and they had a, about 84 million euro revenue in 2019. And then they, they want to build infrastructure for payments into their freelancers, right? So I think they're, they're doing a, a ton of the right things to be able to provide a very full kind of like portfolio for, for freelancers. Yeah. You mentioned, Chad, the 1991 uh, founding, which I'm guessing they weren't an internet company back then. Uh, And they've obviously seen the wave sort of percolate over the last few decades. And now it seems like the time is right to try to build this thing. Um, They're super tiny by uh, Upwork and Fiverr standards. So just some metrics around this. Founded in 91, 92, they have about 200 employees and their market cap, uh, they are a public company, is around 300 million, although they have aspirations to build that up to a $1 billion or 1 billion euro uh, company in just four years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Upwork and Fiverr right now are $6 billion market caps. So these are huge companies. These guys definitely have their work cut out for them, but the wave is is the right time to ride. And I think they're doing some of the right things. My question to Levin is if, if freelance isn't something that's sort of, you know, familiar to you in your own backyard, uh, what are the what are the the gig platforms or the freelance platforms that are well known in Europe? It's once again very fragmented. There's no no such thing as a European Fiverr. We launched GigHouse ourselves, which is um, mm-hmm. more still a local company, but uh, focusing on freelancers. And each company probably has its own small platforms, but there isn't one jumping out. And so the freelance.com, of course, it already has the name and it has the ambitions, I guess. We'll have to see. Don't you think that, I mean, just from a European standpoint, French love French companies, right? Is that the same for every other country that's there? I mean, if it's something that you see grow out of Europe, uh, is, is there more of a likelihood that you're going to at least give it a chance versus an Upwork or, or Fiverr or any of the other gig platforms that are coming out of the US? Well, the French probably are the most chauvinistic within Europe. So um, <laughs> it's true. French love French companies, French people of French companies. I don't think it's yeah. the same thing for the other countries, but um, sometimes even it's difficult to grow in your own country because um, it's harder to be taken seriously in your own company. If it's American or if it's something else, then it must be a good company. French love French companies because there are three of them. <laughs> They're easy to keep track of. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, from a from an acquisition standpoint, Chad, we've talked on the show uh, in recent history, Fiverr acquiring Working Not Working. Yeah. And we also had Career Gig acquire Moonlighting. So mm-hmm. I'm curious the potential for like a stepstone or someone in Europe to buy a freelancing platform to take on, you know, the Upwork and Fivers and really gain a foothold in Europe. What are your thoughts on that, Levin? Hmm. They should have done it already, I guess. You have LinkedIn, who is going to take the markets. They're building a platform and they're a global, sp- yeah. a global player. So I think... Companies like Fiverr have the advantage already. They are huge and everyone is using them. Same with Workplace. LinkedIn has the opportunity to launch something which is kind of different because they have those this huge database. But for a new company, it won't be easy. If you have a local approach, you know the local people, you know the local companies, the local candidates, and you can offer service. 
that's something the global companies probably won't be able to do. So there are mm-hmm. two types. You have the global approach offering yeah, one type for everyone. And they have those local companies offering everything. Like uh, also the payrolling advice because all those legislations are different. And if you're working in Belgium or Germany, taxes will be different and you have to get different advice. And our company, right. GigHouse, is focusing on the service. They're tying people to them just by offering service. And that's something which will probably make it feasible to to, to exist and to compete against companies like LinkedIn and Fiverr, et cetera. And I'm guessing some of the Fed or the, the governmental legislation would keep an acquisition sort of in sort of stalled, right? So as as Italy and other countries think about, you know, is Uber an employee or are they <laughs> a, a contract worker? that that might keep an acquisition uh, from happening because of uncertainty with each country's legal system. Is that fair to say? Oh, I don't know their thoughts, but um, it certainly won't help. Yeah, but if you take a look at this, this can actually be a pretty awesome staffing play if they're smart about it. Uh, staffing automatically is going to, let's say, for instance, from a temp standpoint, and, and again, more it needs some more uh you know, Intel from leaving on this. But here in the States, you take a look at temp staffing. This is a perfect opportunity to roll into that same kind of model. You're just doing it virtually, right? And they're being paid, not as FTEs. So depending on how you model this, and and again, staffing, especially in UK, is much larger, I think more of a, a larger percentage than the in-house corporate recruiting uh, in the UK. This might be an awesome model to roll out, but to do it under the guise of quote unquote tech, but yet it's still just staffing. I mean, the name alone, they have a fighting chance in America. Yeah. If they put money behind it, right. I think so too. I mean, the name alone, the name alone is pretty good. I mean, a lot of people don't know Fiverr Upwork, so I think there's still, I think, I think the market is still young enough that they could come in and and spend enough money and and get Freelance.com a solid brand in America. I don't know that they're big enough to actually spend a ton of cash in the U.S. They might be. They are not big enough. They'd have to go raise money or do yeah. some shit. Well, no. I mean, if you think about it, if they become the platform, we've talked about this before, if they become the platform for staffing agencies, then they don't have to. It's all transaction based, right? Yeah. So that, that's the, the, it's all about the model. Where do they go? Do, do they try to go to the, the commercial model and then they have to spend shit tons of cash for people to know who they are? Or yeah. do they partner with organizations who do not have the technical infrastructure and or you know, payment or, or whatever it might mm-hmm. be to actually do their business in 2021, especially with all these people who see the promise of staying working from home and being able to do it as a gigger? Yeah, that's that's where I see the opportunity versus, hey, freelance.com is a great name. Fuck that. Look at the actual strategic (laughs) wealth, the strategic wealth of getting behind some of these staffing companies who are decades behind in technical infrastructure. I say the name matters. Let's take a quick break. (laughs) Oh, hell no. (laughs) And we'll talk about Utes. Europe has a bunch of countries. Everyone deserves their best job. That's what Fiji stands for. We make a big difference for independent recruiters with the strength of our fast-growing recruiter network. At Fiji, you can be your best self and work for the company you'd like whenever and wherever. We support you with the best digital and online recruitment marketing. 
we offer professional business development support, recruitment specialist training, and a bit of rebellious network meetings. Let's join strengths and help more professionals find the job they love. Celebrate recruitment and join Fiji at FYGI.nl. All right, guys. Yeah, have you seen that movie, Leaven? My cousin Vinny. Wait, which movie? <laughs> with Joe Pesci. Mm, don't think so. There's a movie with Joe Pesci, very pot, a very famous movie in America, at least. And Joe Pesci is a lawyer, and he goes to court in the South, and he says Utes okay. instead of youths. So anyway, so Utes is sort of uh, nomenclature here in America uh, and funny. So everyone's laughing that's <laughs> listening, for sure. Anyway, oh, yeah. COVID, COVID-19 has dealt a blow to Europe's young folks, leaving many jobless and highlighting disparities. So now the EU is devising a new program called ALMA, to help out-of-work youth get job placements abroad. A-L-M-A stands for Aim, Learn, Master, and Achieve. All in English. ALMA will target people struggling to find a job, people living with disabilities, people with insufficient skills, and those with a migration background. Participants will receive an allowance to cover travel, accommodation, insurance, and other basic costs during their time abroad. They'll get coaching before, during, and after placements. An estimated 15 million euros, that's about $17 million, in EU funds will be allocated for ALMA for its first year. Critics say this is a scheme for richer countries to access cheap or free labor. Boys, are you selling or buying ALMA? Well, hooray for Belgium, right? This is a great way to uh, counter, pretty much counter-program against the UK right now, where the UK is being seen as isolationists and they're missing opportunity for great talent. So if I was in Europe and I saw the shit that was happening with Brexit and the UK, I would be doing the exact same thing. Now, having the conversation versus unpaid intern versus paid intern mm-hmm. is, I think, important to, 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 to broach as well. I've got a big problem with the unpaid internship. Good. Definitely. I mean, it's not like the companies aren't willing to pay. They definitely are willing to pay for talent, but if they are offered a way to not pay, they won't pay. Of course. So uh, I'm thinking it's a bit cheap from Europe to offer a way to just uh, to, to claim uh, we're doing something nice for the, yo- for the young people and we're not going to pay them, but it's, it's a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a program. If you're an unemployed college graduate in Spain and you have an opportunity that's paid for, I mean, you, you may not get paid, but you have an allowance for food and shit like that. Would you rather have that that open door and opportunity or would you rather, uh, you know, roll the dice in, in your home country? to eventually get a job somewhere. For me, I'd prefer the opportunity to get my foot in the door somewhere as opposed to sitting at home hoping that someone calls for a job. Yeah, but the problem isn't that big. I mean, back after the financial crisis, uh, let's say 2017, in Greece, there was 40% of unemployment with the youngsters, Spain 38, Mm -hmm. Italy 34. I mean, today it isn't that bad. It's already getting better i mean they're all over 20 percent. italy greece and spain are all all over 20 percent uh for 25 and younger which is still better than it was a few years ago it's good that europe is doing something but i don't think this is the approach and in my opinion they should let the companies arrange it yeah they need the talent let them organize something to exchange youths and to say hey spanish people we need you how much of this is keeping peace in the eu in other words if I'm Germany, France, etc., I don't want Greece, Spain, Portugal, etc., revolting, right? And and young people without jobs 
and no future tend to uprise more often than young people who are happy, employed, or have purpose in life. So is any part of this the government saying we need to keep we need to give these people hope, and this is a program that can do that. And by the way, we're going to help our companies get cheaper free labor uh, as well, so everyone wins. The government keeps the peace, young people get an opportunity, and corporations get get cheap labor. Hmm. Is that is am I reading that right or no? Today, Western European countries are paying a lot to Europe to help companies like countries like Greece and uh, Spain to a certain extent to overcome the economic problems they used to have or they are still having. And now mm-hmm. it's a way to offer them something back. Um, they are arranging those young people to be able to work for them and you don't have to pay them. Europe will, will arrange something. So it's a way of paying those rich companies countries back. I don't really like the not paying internship thing. Offering unpaid internships says a lot about your company. And it says that you don't value the person's time and you don't believe they have bills they need to eat or they even need to sleep. Now, I understand that obviously there there, there isn't the, the huge influx of debt that we have over here in the U.S. because, you know, kids have to, you know, they find themselves 40, 60, $100,000 in debt because of, uh, of college. Although we're setting a bad precedent by saying, you know, you have no value because you are learning. Not the case. They say we offer you an opportunity to get some experience because people, young people are mostly rejected because of a lack mm-hmm. of experience. So those big companies say, oh, we don't really need you, but We'll make room anyway, come over and we'll give you the opportunity for free to get experience. But it's just turning things around. It shouldn't be like that. They definitely need them. I have a probably dumb question, Levin. In in America, if let's say you're living in a state that doesn't have a lot of, of, of opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. It's really easy to get in a car and drive to a state and get, you know, get a living, you know, get a residence and like set up shop and look for a job mm-hmm. in a state where there, there might be opportunity. I'm, is it fair to say that European uh, people don't have that same opportunity? Like if I'm in Portugal and I say, you know what, there's, there, there aren't any jobs here. I'm going to drive to Germany and, and look for a job there. Is that easy or is that a really hard thing to do? There is just one difference and that's the language. Okay. Because, Within the European Union, you can travel across country, across boundaries, across uh, uh, whatever, without having to think about paperwork. You just can travel and you can work. You, you have the right to yeah. work in each country within the European Union the moment you're a European citizen. And I can buy a home there. I can rent an apartment. I can buy a car. Like Nothing changes as long as I stay in the EU. Exactly. But the only problem is if you go to France, you're supposed to be able to speak French in most cases. And that's someone from Portugal isn't going to be able to do. So I just wanted to enter uh, a company called Multiverse got got funded recently. And, and their their concept is apprenticeship. So maybe apprenticeships are part of the solution. At least some investors certainly think so. Uh, so UK-based Multiverse.io, uh, which matches job seekers with apprenticeship opportunities, has raised $130 million in a Series E round, bringing total funding uh, to $194 million and a $745 million valuation. There'll probably be unicorn status soon. Uh, through multiverse, apprentices uh, without a college degree can receive experience and hand, hands-on learning. It's completely free for the apprentice uh, who can earn around $25,000 in uh, US plus salary while learning on the job. So there are two rules of thought. You have, you have government intervention and then you have private business trying to solve this problem. 
do you have a, a horse that you'd bet on in that battle or can both work together to kind of solve this unemployment issue? It's all about speed. And the government hasn't got the best reputation for speeding up procedures. And that's something companies can. And I'm going to give a, a simple example. In Belgium, when there was a refugee from, say, Afghanistan or Syria, when he was accepted as a refugee, then it took the government five years to give them their first job. So that's five years of living wow. without... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. there is a company, um, an NGO in Belgium, Job Roads. And they said, we're going to take those people the moment they enter Belgium and are registered as a refugee. We're going to pick them up and we're going to put them in the companies and they're going to learn the language by working. And it only took them a few months to get them their first job. But that's a huge difference. And people, their value is often their job. They feel valuable if they are able to work and they're becoming part of a community. It's a great point that you said speed because multiverse is eyeing uh, expansion into the US more than into Europe. And I think your point in terms of speed, deregulation, less red tape is why a company would sort of, of eye growth in America before they would Europe. And it probably uh, hurts Europe in the end. A lot of these companies don't focus on the continent. They go to, to America or somewhere else. I mean, obviously, um, that's a negative for people in industry in the industry. Definitely. We're looking for work in Europe. Yep, definitely. Yeah, definitely. As you said, we talked about this topic on last Friday's show with Andela, who just reached unicorn status. Andela, much like multiverse sees a silver bullet moment happening for them because companies are crying about talent or skills gaps and they're not filling them themselves. They're waiting for somebody to fill their gaps. The only issue that I see here is that uh, there are seven courses provided by multiverse, right? That's not going to cover most organizations, especially with where, where their needs are. So do I think that these the, the state and corporate America can can run together and work together. I, I do. I think obviously you know the 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 state and or n nation isn't as nimble, but they could be if mm -hmm. they started to have these types of partnerships. But but much like I think Levin was talking about earlier, this is a corporate responsibility. This is not a nation responsibility, right? Indeed. But yet, but but yet. There are issues from country to country where nations have to get involved. And I think that's where you're seeing an overlap. But I think the government should be involved and they should be facilitating those young people to work. And I'm going to give an example. Let's say uh -huh. instead of giving them an allowance to go to from Spain to Brussels and to start looking for a job there, why not just offer tax reductions to the companies who are hiring those people and then they will be able to pay them and give them a... Love it. They need them anyway. Yeah. No, they need them anyway. That's total bullshit. Don't give them any tax reductions. They're already making enough profit as it is in the first yeah, place and they need people. We're letting them off the hook by providing corporate welfare. It's total bullshit. There's no reason to give them a tax abatement. There wouldn't be 20% unemployment if they needed them now. No, they do need them now. Do you not see that the UK is having a huge issue? Uh, the EU is having a huge issue with trying to fill positions. They're not training, right? They're waiting for a handout. Uh, it's mostly blue collar workers still, but uh, I think in the UK now. My problem is the government is now paying for the houses, for example. If you are going to relocate to from Spain right. to, to, let's say, France, 
they will offer you some kind of housing. Don't offer mm-hmm. them housing. Just uh, make sure the companies pay them and they will be able to rent their own apartment. I'm with Leave and let's make Europe Florida. Damn it. <laughs> no taxes. <laughs> By the way, Chad, you mentioned Andela. I mean, it's the it, same thing, right? Like they opened up a, an office in New York. Yeah. They should have been like, Europe is in our back door. We need to grow the business there. But they chose America. So that, that shows me something structurally wrong uh, with Europe and regulation and how tough it is for businesses. Although you have pockets well, with Ireland, uh, which are tax havens more or less. But, but uh, there are different stories. It's a complicated continent for sure. There's more money here for startups. We've seen that. So that's easy. Not to mention everybody speaks the same language. Again, you're just talking about easing the complexity and making the smart move. Mm, Indeed. Let's talk about EVs, something that everyone loves. Electric vehicles in Europe. There will be a fallout from the revolution, however. The European Commission has proposed an effective ban on new gasoline and diesel cars from 2035. The shift to electric vehicles will force huge changes in the auto industry and require EU backing for reskilling programs, according to a new study by Boston Consulting Group, which said by 2030, European jobs at manufacturers and traditional suppliers focused on combustion engines will drop 20% and 42% respectively, between them shedding a cumulative half a million jobs. The good news, employment at suppliers focused on zero emissions technology will rise by 300,000 workers. Workers building combustion engines will need new skills, but the question is how? Thoughts? It's the same conversation that we just had. Automakers have warned that jobs at conventional combustion engine plants will be particularly at risk and have called for the EU to mitigate this, right? Well, 2035 is over a fucking decade away. Plus, we've seen this slow-moving EV locomotive coming at us for fucking years. So this isn't a surprise, and the transition is already happening, at least from a planning standpoint, to be able to switch combustion and compression engine manufacturing to EV. So, If the companies are planning for changes in manufacturing, hardware, and software, why the fuck aren't they planning and starting the process of getting their workforce up to speed? Once again, they're looking to the EU for a fucking handout when they should be doing this shit themselves. Yeah, and like those those car manufacturers in Germany, they have a problem. Certainly, they're going to have to change to shift from those combustion um, workers to, to electronic engineers, etc. But the problem will be, it's not, it's not, the problem is not going to be for the workers because there is still a lot of skilled mechanics needed in other industries, HVAC, maintenance, etc. Those people definitely will get a job. So they don't probably, all of them don't want to get reskilled and they won't have to. The problem will be where will we find those skilled electricians and I was wondering, the, um, let's say the, the schools where people are learning to become a car mechanic right now, are those schools up to speed yet? Are they shifting totally to electronics or are they saying no because we don't have the knowledge and maybe um, the next, the coming 10 years, those people will still be able to work on the existing cars today? So normally the education is running behind and I guess in this case it will be the same problem but you're talking about 2035 in uh, Europe that's true but in Norway for example it will be 2025 they are making it much faster 
But 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 you said find and and we're not going to find something that doesn't exist, right? True. We need to manufacture. That's what I'm saying. Whether it's, you know, 2025 or 2035, we know what the problem is. We're not going to find something that does not exist, which is why we have to manufacture talent. Yeah, and that's rescaling, but it will also be reorientating. Some people just probably are not interested in becoming an electronic guy. Some yeah. people are maybe not able to. It's a different thing. So uh, it will be a problem, but uh, like the Germans say, we're shuffling us, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about sort of the union influence here. Ah. Um, I mean, the U.S. the U.S. tends to lean, you know, the U.S. where the automakers used to be a huge, huge union um, are basically more or less non-existent now. I mean, and we have a, we have a culture of sort of rugged independence, like, okay, the jobs are going away, you know, get, get yourself together and go somewhere else, get reeducated somewhere else. The government is not as active as maybe they should be, but I feel like Europe has a pretty active government um, that's also tied to pretty strong unions. So if I'm an auto union in Europe, um, I'm thinking about how do I keep power? How do I keep my dues coming in? Um, and part of that is sort of this, this, this training, yeah. this story of, oh, we're going to lose this. We need to reskill and keep these people in the auto industry, keep them in the union. How much of an impact is the union on this story? I'm pretty sure they're talking about it right now. I mean, let's look, look at <laughs> Germany. Germany is the car manufacturing company, uh, country, sorry, in, in Europe. And the German metal union has over 2 million members. So, if there is a shift to electronics, that union won't be happy because that's not a metal union anymore. So I'm sure they're trying to uh, get a big finger in it. But um, look at Tesla, for example. Tesla is now entering Germany and they're going to build build the, they call it the Giga, Giga sorry, factory Berlin-Brandenburg. It's, it's a huge, huge manufacturing or huge uh, factory, sorry, yeah. uh, near Berlin. So um, I can imagine the unions are pissed off totally because it's something new and Tesla hasn't got the best reputation in uh, talking to unions. They mostly make fun of them. No shit. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so was that, that, was that the government siding with Tesla and not the unions? And is that a big battle? <laughs> it's a difficult one. Um, you yeah. should think the German government is trying to protect its own big brands like Audi, Mercedes, uh, Volkswagen, etc., And mm -hmm. by allowing Tesla to open such a factory near Berlin, that's stabbing their own, car brands in the back. But then again, it's not because they are going to allow Germany to be the EV manufacturer of the future. And it will be like a new ecosystem for EVs. And once again, it will be Germany. So there's, I think uh, it was the CEO of Volkswagen who said he was actually pretty pleased. He said, okay, it will be a tough competition, but we will stay the car manufacturing country in Europe and we will just help each other out in one way or another. So full circle, keep your eye on Olaf for that EV question <laughs> indeed, in indeed, Germany. Because Olaf will have a lot to say uh, about that. Uh, can, can you start singing something from Frozen now? I haven't seen it, but I think that's a good way to go out. We want to keep our listeners, Chad. We want to keep <laughs> our listeners, not drive them away. <laughs> Guys, it's been fun. As always, can't wait to, to do it live and in person. Yes. Uh, if you if you want to hear more Euro goodness, guys, check out chadcheese.com backslash Europe. We keep it simple. Leaving, enjoy that uh, treehouse and uh, the Belgian <laughs> beer that you're obviously tapping in a keg there. And uh, Chad, as always, 
It was fun. And we out. We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.